This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, we watched The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. But before we rip into this thing, I need to check the time. Oh, look. It's booty time, booty time, across the USA. It's booty time, booty time. Hey, hey, hey. Ooh. He doesn't sing it that well. I am so, so very excited to get to talk about this movie. And people are probably going to think that I am an absolute loser. But I am so, so excited to get to talk about this movie. Yay. Okay. Yeah, y- you don't have to be excited about it. I'll take over if you want to go take a break. Oh, yay. I got it. Great show, folks. Thanks. Yeah. Th- this, um, I, I, I picked uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane this week because this is one of my favorite movies. As bad as that is to say. I love watching this movie. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. And here we go. Woo! Oh, what am I supposed to say? I, I <laughs> Something, I think. Something. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I would ask you why you picked this movie for me. Why did I pick this movie for you, Susan? I don't know. Why did you? Because I like this movie. And I think this movie is better than it gets credit for. Okay. I think this movie has uh, a lot of funny lines in it. There are a lot of lines that I quote back and forth with my friends on a regular basis. You said you hadn't heard them. I think that you weren't paying attention to me is what I think. That That's a possibility. That's very possibility. Very, Dis- very possible. Distinct possibility. So I picked this because this is not something that you would normally watch, which is the whole purpose of it this is show. true. And that is why you gave me a choice, and I chose this because it is not something I would normally watch. So in the spirit of the show... Now, we acknowledge that this show will probably not be like the ones in the past because there is just not a lot of stuff on the Internet about this movie. Uh, We'll probably talk about several things. I don't know how much detail we can go into. We only have one clip today uh, because it's the only clip that I could find that was worth playing, and it references the song that Susan sang. So we'll get to that eventually. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what you thought about this movie? All right. um, So... Off the top of my head, um, you know, the things that come to mind are, uh, one, tone problems. You didn't like the music? No, no, that's, that's oh. not what I meant at all. Oh. Um, it's, it's one of those films that thought it knew what it wanted to be, but didn't consistently go for that, that tone and feel all the way through. And I think a lot of it was because... Uh, they were trying to capitalize, so the other words that were coming to my mind would, would be cash grab. Um, they were trying to capitalize on the popularity of Andrew Dice Play's Dice Man character. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of conflated Ford Fairlane with Dice Man. Okay. Um, and in order to do that, they kind of shoved you know, five pounds in a three-pound bag, so to speak. A little it bit at points, you're and right. And it, it, didn't, it didn't have... That you know they they were trying to go for this kind of riff on a 
on a noir type detective. And um, I, and I, I want to get into this a little bit earlier because I, I think I do want to kind of at least give a synopsis before we really sure. dive in. Um, the, the other thing I think is obviously a, a, a little bit of a, like I said before, it was kind of a mix of, you know, Dice Man does not equal Ford Fairlane. Um, and then the uh, fourth idea is, oh, fuck, it's a Rennie Harlan film. <laughs> He's, Spotty he's a, he's at a best. little all over the place. Yeah, yeah, he is, but he's 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 done some good stuff out there. He, yeah. he's, I mean, you know, I mean, when you're given when you're given something by the studio, and what you said, everything you just said is absolutely correct. There's only so much you can do with it, right? You, you know what I mean, right? I don't, this, you're right. This film didn't really know what it wanted to be, mm -hmm. but uh, other people that I've talked to, there are certain movies that I go into, I watch, and I and I want to say, well, that's not right. You know, I pick it apart. And just because it's that time of year, I'm going to use Christmas Vacation. Being the electrician, right. I can watch Christmas Vacation and go, oh, there's no way that would happen. That's ridiculous. It, but because it's the type of movie it is, I'm willing to forego a lot of realism because they're just looking for, for cheap laughs. Home Alone was the biggest comedy ever for a long time. There is no freaking way that that movie could ever actually happen. Okay. There's so many different things. There's a lot of that stuff that I was willing to forego here. I, I did it did struggle with what it wanted to be, and if it maybe it'd have been a little tighter, mm -hmm. maybe it would have been a bigger hit. Okay, but well, bef before we go down further down that path, let me just kind of give a very very brief synopsis of of for those of you who might not have seen this movie. Um, to the Hollywood elite, Ford Fairlane is known as Mr. Rock and Roll Detective. Uh, he is known. Oh, oh. He is known for his discretion um, when working with rock and roll clientele. However, he doesn't always get paid. Instead, he gets things like golden record albums, koala bears. <laughs> not money. No. Just, just uh, not uh, money. Anything but. <laughs> so, because uh, propopalactics cost money. Right. So after the lead singer of the Black Plague is murdered on stage, shock jock Johnny Crunch, an old friend who came west with Fairlane, hires Ford to track down a mysterious teenage groupie named Zuzu Pedals. In the spirit of Christmas, that's lovely, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you pick that name? I have no clue. Um, <laughs> they think she may have a connection to Black's death. Uh, soon after hiring Fairlane, Crunch is electrocuted on air, and the world's hippest detective soon finds himself trading insults with ruthless record executive Julian Grendel, a clueless cop, and former disco star Lieutenant Amos, and a merciless hitman named Smiley, and countless ex-girlfriends out for his blood. Aiding and abetting Fairlane is his loyal assistant Jazz, and a hip record producer at the head of a bizarre lineup of suspects, victims, beautiful women, and a koala as he finds himself hip-deep in the case of his life. Case of his life. Yeah. That's that's what Wikipedia says anyway. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. If it's on Wikipedia, it's it definitely must true. be true. Okay, let's look at the cast here uh, real quick. So, obviously, uh, the titular character is played by Mr. Andrew Dice Clay. Jazz is played by Lauren Holly. We have Priscilla Presley, Wayne Newton, Gilbert Gottfried, Robert England, and Maddie Corman, and Ed O'Neill, and Mr. Morris Day in our cast. You also have Vince Neal and Sheila E. Briefly. Yep. 
the young lady that plays Zuzu Petal's name is Maddie Corman. I don't think she did a lot after this, but no, she do, she doesn't have a whole lot of credits to her name. So you want to get back to tone problems? Uh, no, I thought the music was great. <laughs> I didn't say melody problems. I'm gonna say that <laughs> a lot. Uh, you know what? It, it 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 didn't. It wasn't sure if it wanted to be a straight up raunchy comedy. It wasn't sure if it wanted to be um. A, a, a Naked Gun style mm-hmm. comedy. It wasn't sure if it wanted to be just a comedy. Right. It didn't know it if did it wanted to be an action comedy. Well, it didn't know if it wanted to be zany or if it wanted to be dark either. I mean, I if I'm not going to go as far to say this, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to make a point. Had they done this in the style or some kind of stylized version, what I can think of um, is maybe like Sin City. Or, heck, even, uh, what, what was that? It was just in my head, and it just flew out. What was that? Cool World. Okay. Cool With Brad Pitt. The, the m- other movie that was a monster flop? Yeah. Okay. Completely. But but at least it had a tone. So you, you understood the world it was in. They were trying to... It, uh, let me let me take it down a little bit further. Remember how we've had these conversations, um, not on this podcast, but in the past personally, when we talk about the characters that are in the office and how that craziness exists solely in the characters of that office and not the rest of the world. Yes. Versus Parks and Recreation, where it's the whole town of Pawnee that is just absolutely crazy. Yes. I kind of feel like you needed that in this movie, that everything had to be so heightened in this L.A. atmosphere that it made sense where everything is so wacky. And the other thing is, is I, I don't know if the wacky necessarily played with some of the, the noir, darker elements, because the, the character that Robert England plays, the smiley character, is dark. I mean, he's, he's definitely evil. I mean, he's talking about raping people and, and you know, ha, 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 and, and, and being, playing up, chewing the scenery as this evil henchman. But they're also doing these wacky, goofy things with the the puppet koala and all that. It didn't fit. It all didn't fit together. No, it didn't. But I laughed my ass off at this movie. I still laugh my ass off at this movie. Well, take you, uh, talk talk to me more about that because I'm really trying to understand why you find what's in this so so funny. Well, let's we, let's set it up for if there's probably a lot of people who haven't watched this movie because it's not it's not a popular movie uh, to start off with. Uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it got a twenty-nine tomato momenter thermometer score. Tomato meter. Yeah, that that word too, which is basically critics. But it's got a sixty-eight percent audience score, which, as far as I'm concerned, is a pretty solid score for fans. Yeah, it's more than Saving Silverman. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, Touche. Um, okay. It, it, I Dice Clay was a very polarizing uh, character. And uh, he pretty much hit it big around 87, 88 was mm-hmm. when he blew up. Right. And he was extremely, extremely raunchy for the late 80s. There's a lot. Of, now, we listen to a lot of comics now. I mean, he, Eddie Murphy, when he blew up as a comedian, was dirty because of his language. But right. there was not a lot of sexual content from Eddie Murphy. Dice, there was no barrier that he wouldn't go, he wouldn't go across. About the only thing that he wouldn't do uh, was gay humor. He wouldn't make fun of. He he never stepped into those boundaries. 
Like, he, didn't he have a couple in jokes in the movie? I, I can't pull any uh, 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 off the top of my head. Yeah, there was there was a couple. Uh, Bob Co- and Neil. Co- Co- well, Neil and Bob. Yeah. yeah, and then there was a what Colleen made one at one time about fag ass. Is that a, is is that a gay joke? Right. But that was not that wasn't his comedy, and it was because it was just it was it was you treaded upon that area very lightly back mm-hmm. in that time because it was a very late '80s. Was we were at the 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 height of our of our AIDS. Fear, I guess, for lack of a better word, phobia is a better word, right. and it just wasn't. It was kind of taboo at the time. So, but he was extremely filthy. He was extremely dirty, extremely mm-hmm. filthy, dirty. Like women, just he, they didn't. They hear his name and they didn't like him. He was the first comedian to sell out Madison Square Gardens, and he stole it out. Sold two it consecutive nights, two nights in a row, in a row right? Yeah. And he was coming off of that into this movie. This was his first feature role. This was the first time I think that he was in a movie, and that's kind of what they were sitting with. I think they had a script. To me, what mm-hmm. I see is a script that could have been your average Joe actor for this movie, just a guy that, that could have been sort of funny. Mm-hmm. But they took, like you said, the cash grab with Ford, with Dice, and they brought him into the movie, and they said, we can't do this with Dice Clay in it and not use Dice Clay's joke. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I watched a small snippet on YouTube that was kind of a, the making of type thing that would came along with... Uh, the movie when I was looking for clips. And basically, uh, Priscilla Presley said about Dice Clay, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. It, working with him and Wayne Newton, it was like, I, it was I, they, they both treated me like a queen. But a lot, there was a lot of, you know what we should do? We should do this from Dice Clay in the scenes. And mm-hmm. Rennie Harlan went with it. Because Dice Clay, what he was the movie. That was the reason that people were going to go see this movie. Right. So I think that they... The director, mm-hmm. like you said, garbage time to Rennie Harlan with a lot mm-hmm. of his movies, listened to the actor too much. He had too much. And you're right. And, and it did. It brought tone problems. The reason that I laugh at this movie so much is just strictly the, the one-liners and the quotability of these lines that, that I have with some of the friends that I hang out with. I, I could talk all day long with someone just about the Gilbert Gottfried scene. In the in the radio station, there's really? like there's like 14 lines in there that I would quote just to make a joke back and forth. They just they just they crack me up. That's why I like this movie. This is a guy's movie. It really it really is. It, it definitely and is a guy's. It, movie. it is. <laughs> and you know what? You go back and I've seen this movie. Um, I'll bet you I've seen this movie at least 125 times. And mm-hmm. that's 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 lowballing it. And you don't look at this movie the same way until you're sitting there watching it with a girl. <laughs> there's some I, I mean how does it change for you Greg? he's super well i would never say some <laughs> of those things around you <laughs> it's it's you know some of the jokes are really sexist so you know and you know what and they're sexist but i still laughed at him you know the joke he says i'm sorry i made you clean the toilets but who did all the work in bed that's a that's a horrible <laughs> joke and yet i laugh every time i hear it you know what that reminds me of is um, you know, one of the one of the clubs that that he did hit it big at. I mean, he he worked he worked on. I mean, uh, one of the things that I do appreciate is the fact that you know comedians are artists. Um, you you run into a little bit of a sticky wicket when you're a comedian that's running on a stick or a persona because then it becomes hard to distinguish what's the persona and who's the comedian and all that. But he did work hard on this, and he uh, he got a lot of his really big acclaim after he started working at Dangerfields. 
Yes, he did. Right. Rodney, Rodney a, broke him to the world. And, and I see a lot of that Rodney Dangerfield influence on him. Like that kind of line would definitely be like a very much a, a Rodney Dangerfield line. Yeah, because people don't realize it, but Rodney was he was really blue when he when he was. Oh, yeah. He wasn't. His language wasn't filthy, but he, he was like Red Fox. His subject matter was there to the mm-hmm. point that you were like, oh, wow. Is, is he really? You're, you're right. He, he did. But he brought it, it just it was too if if it had li- if they'd stayed with the story and the jokes, it probably wouldn't have been a good movie. It would have just been it would have been it would have been white noise in 1990. I really think that's what it would have been. They had to have that star, and I think that once they got that star, they were able to get other people to jump on the the mm-hmm. air quotes bandwagon because you had this guy that had sold out Madison Square Garden, and they're like, Jesus, anything we can do that we mm-hmm. can be attached with him. See, I. Uh, surprisingly enough, you'll probably you'll you'll probably be. Sur- I it surprised me. It's probably going to surprise you. I mean, I I went in expecting to be uh, offended in the way that you you were describing earlier. Um, eh, not so much, ladies uh, and gentlemen. That's why I love my wife so much. <laughs> um, but I I just felt like they were they were too much trying to focus on. And cash in on Dice Man, not Dice Clay, the Dice Man character. Agreed. And and um, I think, honestly, I think that Andrew Dice Clay is actually he's got some good acting chops. And if you've seen him in some of the stuff before he hit it big, like he was he was he was pretty interesting and pretty in pink. He was, um, and I think had they cast him in this prior to. Um, the the big you know where everybody was looking for the dice man out of it. I think he would have done a really decent job with it, um, but I uh, and and they played him up so much that you barely notice Morris Day in this thing, and he is his persona, his stage persona, Morris Day's is huge, and I'm like, did they sedate him? What's going? Well, you you had everybody. You probably had everybody being told to take it back a notch because. The focus of this movie needs to be Port Fairlane. Yeah, there wasn't. If you think back through this movie, there's not a lot of scenes. In fact, I want you to tell me one scene that he's not in. Buzz, 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 buzz. buzz, buzz, buzz. buzz today, see, today, see what I mean? Today. So yeah. he was he was kind of the. I mean, he was legitimately in almost. I I can't think of one right now. Having seen it, I'm, there might be one. There, there might be one uh, or one, two. The one where Lauren Holly's getting roughed up. Okay. By, by yep. The, you know. So there's one. Right. Uh, we got an hour and a forty minute movie, and we've we mm-hmm. were able to pull one scene that he's not in. I think there's a lot of people that were told they had to tone it down mm-hmm. because he needed to be the focus. They didn't want anybody watching anything else. You know, Morris got his lines in. You got to shave when you go out in a dress like that, and I don't mean your legs. Yeah. Silly stuff. Yeah, but it just wasn't it. it had I not known it was Morris Day, I probably wouldn't even recognize. Shame on you! That yeah, you know, know what? That I know. <sighs> ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have to cancel Christmas now. <sighs> Christmas Unbelievable! Is canceled. No, I, I I know what you're saying. If if it had been a non-Andrew Dice Clay in the movie, mm-hmm. so Andrew Silverstein or whatever his name is, if you'd had a regular actor playing a quirky noir guy, right, you would have gotten more of a noir movie feel. Yeah. But I don't think that it would have. Again, it probably just would have been white noise. Right. It definitely would not have been a summer release. 
definitely. So you know, it was it was it was a cash grab. It was it was a grab where they swung for the fences. They hit a, a, a double. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it was. It didn't lose money. It didn't make a lot of money. I think it made a, I think it made a million dollars. I know that there's some formula where they have out there where they give you the budget and they give you the box office, but that doesn't count because all the money that goes into it for marketing is never divulged or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that in DVD sales and such, because this has become a cult classic, it, 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 there's a lot of people out there that watch it and like it. But there's there's some silly things in this movie. There's some, some there's some good things in this movie. Yeah, I mean, the si- I think the silliness and the absurdity of it, and you know, let me just kind of riff on 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 what those were. Break it down. I mean, you've got the the scene with with the party with Julian Grendel um, there, and they've got a freaking shark on his fit. I mean, that's oh straight up absurd. Um, twice they have people throwing. Uh, other people out of windows or over at least two stories of deep and all they end up you know they don't even end up being injured they get a couple scratches and one is one is jazz what was the other one uh the redhead guy that was the stalker of the oh, female band sam sam the sleaze bag sam the sleaze bag okay yeah so those things are crazy and and the the biggest most absurd part which actually made me laugh because i think they hit the heights of absurdity that they wanted to and got the right tone was the sorority scene yes that was just so over the top just goofy that (laughs) scene was for 19 year old boys oh yeah that's that scene what was about oh it was also for 47 year old boys (laughs) (laughs) should i have left the room no not for long Yeah, yeah, of course it was. Uh, there was a lot of ridiculousness in this movie, you know. Um, you know what? Let's just let's just go to it because we want to. Let's throw it out there so everybody can hear it. This is the scene where we first uh, we first run into Ed O'Neill, who was um, who was good who and was, underused in this. Oh, f- for real! But again, we had so many people in this movie that played bit parts mm-hmm. that I don't think you could have gotten him into the movie anymore without making it two hours and fifteen minutes, which right. never would have succeeded. Here's here's the booty time scene. Told me to get the fuck out of here. Oh, if you're hiding something, oh, oh, I'll have so much fun. Anus, what's the bug up your ass, huh? Why do you hate me so much? Why do I hate you? I'll give you a fucking hint. Two words. Disco Express. Disco Express? Are you dealing in beads or what? I mean, that group blue dog, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Anus, they had that, uh, that, that single, that real shitty single they wanted me to push during my publicist days. Booty time. Yeah, booty time with that lead singer, the uh, white Van McCoy lookalike with the six-inch platform shoes, you know what I, You know, he looked like, uh... Like me. Yeah, I was gonna say he looked like shit, but he looked like you. Booty time, uh, booty uh, time, yeah. across the USA. Uh, booty uh, time, booty time, uh, uh, hey, hey, hey. Unbelievable. I didn't think anything could cheer me up tonight, Lieutenant, but that brilliant performance. <laughs> Jerk off. <laughs> Booty time. Boot my balls. <laughs> I. Boot my balls. Boot. <laughs> 
Well, as the scene was starting, because I've seen it already, I actually picked up some of the background vocalizations, and somebody's going, we need to get the really big vacuum. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, there's, there's, there's a lot of good jokes in this movie. There, there really is. It, it just, it's, it, it makes you, it mm -hmm. makes you laugh if you can get past some of the ridiculous stuff. Well, I think the reason, and, and yeah, it's, it's some of the, the, the machismo of the character of Dice Man that is off-putting, but I, I think it, it's more of the, I, I have a real aversion to those personalities that are very much as he's presenting, right? This this tough machismo. He's a, he's, a, he's a chauvinist pig. New Yorker. You know, nothing against New Yorkers, guys. Sorry, but you know that that real tough, tough, tough I persona. Mean they, it's it's. They bring him as off as a guy who thinks his shit don't stink, mm -hmm. who sleeps with women all the time. He degrades yeah, women. He, I, I, he they bring him yeah. off. They bring him off as a chauvinist pig. They really do. Yeah. And, and I don't. I don't think they needed that. I think that it would have been better if he was a. If he'd have been a likable character, mm -hmm. but that was the dice man coming through. Well, this is this is some, this is what Roger Ebert said in his one star review of the Adventures of Four Fairline, and I think it pretty much hits the nail on the head for me. The Adventures of Four Fairline is a movie about a hero I didn't like chasing villains I didn't hate in a plot I didn't understand. It is also loud, ugly, mean-spirited, and makes the ideal vehicle for Andrew Dice Clay, a comedian whose humor is based upon hating those in the not in the room for the entertainment of those present. That's pretty much how I, it's it's the meanness of it, like the enjoying being that mean and that selfish. Okay, I guess. who who is he mean to? Who is he mean to? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Lieutenant Amos, but. I guess he's supposed yeah, but, to. Yeah, but he know? wasn't. He wasn't mean to him. He was just like, "Why are you always up?" I mean, a a Amos was was just as mean to him to start off with. Pissed off because he wouldn't push his single. I mean, okay, so I, I get the animosity. Right. I, the I, only person that he was really mean to, to me in the movie, that he was really mean to, was Kyle Troy. Kyle Troy, which one was that? I'm gonna be oh, the yeah. one boy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That, that yeah. Um, well, there's a story about him too that I'll t I, I can get to later. That's and he was just making fun of him because he he basically said this is this is not rock and roll. Right. He wasn't shitting on him just to shit on him. He was saying this is not good music. Right. Well, I think it's kind of what you said. Well, my shit don't stink, but everybody else's does, right? And and it's more about. Well, I mean, yes, mm -hmm. true. He was, no, he was also mean to Neil and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they started Neil it. and Bob. Are those your names, or is that what you do? They started it. They were they yeah. were they were giving him crap to begin with. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I get it. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think uh, Ebert liked this type of humor. That's no, he no, on. he didn't. He didn't. And and that's not. I mean, I didn't find it all that amusing myself. I mean, I could I could see where it was going. I just felt that it wasn't as ex well executed as like a Naked Gun or a you know. I have a hard time believing that he couldn't understand the plot. It was a very simple plot. No, I can I can believe that because the 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 crime, so to speak, because the spoilers, people uh, that the it's Julian Grendel who's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. um, 
I didn't quite understand what the hell he was doing either and why you were going for certain things. And they did some things that were set up and then never paid off. So he, he, think, of, think of it this way. Julian Grindle was a guy that moneyed, la- uh, laundered money for the mob. And instead of taking his 10% that the mob agreed upon, he was taking 25%. He was skimming off the top. He was stealing from the artist because he had the line that says, I couldn't believe how much the artist makes and how little Grindle Records makes. He was stealing from the artists, and he was putting it all in shell companies, and those three CDs showed which bands he was stealing from and how much he had stolen. That's, okay. that's the plot. Okay, so that's the plot, which, which is totally untrue because the, the artist doesn't get as much as you think. So, I mean, that's... They do, they do now that Led Zeppelin changed everything for everybody. Uh, I think if you listen to the story of TLC, you will find that they, they didn't get as much as they... Well, that would be because they signed a very bad contract. Yeah. yeah. And they, were, they, they weren't they were getting as much. And they were the highest grossing girl group of their time. Yes, so they were. Um, hey, she wasn't living in no shack out back her parents' house. She had some kids' ash. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, this was, this was the 90s. This was mm-hmm. before TLC. Right. So <laughs> that argument's out the window. No. Uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it, wasn't, it wasn't hard. Julian was a bad guy. Grind- Grindel was the bad guy. Yes, he was. I, would say, I, don't, I wouldn't say he was mean. I would say he was pompous. Mm-hmm. He was extremely arrogant. That, that, and that turns a lot of people off. Yeah. Because he was good friends with Johnny Teitelbaum. Comes out to L.A., calls himself Johnny Crunch. And I really do like Gilbert Gottfried, but goddamn. <laughs> you can't say, oh, fucking shit, my Christ on the air. That line, that's a line that I repeat all the time. Well, you know, just to people that I just randomly up on the street, I just walk up to them right outside of, you know, Starbucks. You can't right. say, oh, fucking shit, my Christ on the air. <laughs> they give me this really weird look, but then I, I take the whipped cream off their coffee and run, and they don't know what to do. That would fit I'm into confused. this movie. Yeah, you should be. You should be, because that was a dark rabbit hole we just went down. A dark, Ooh, dark hole. Okay, okay. So, like I said, and and I'm probably repeating myself, I think in the hands of a, a, a more skilled filmmaker with a, a, a better vision, I think this would have been a decent Okay, but let's step back. Movie. Let's step back from that. Okay. We enjoyed Saving Silverman. Yes, we did. Right? The person that made Saving Silverman, not a skilled filmmaker. No. No. The, the person who wrote Saving Silverman, not a skilled writer. No. The, the dialogue, there's a, the, we, we agreed there was a lot of problems in that movie. It's okay to like a movie that has a lot of problems just because you want to enjoy it. And I, and I keep going back to Christmas Vacation because it's that time of year. There's so many ridiculous things in that movie that happen. And yet, it's a, it's a classic. None, none of that, it's just that suspend the disbelief. If they had been going for a dark gritty, well-written, like an L.A. Confidential or like a Sin City-type movie, then, yeah, we could crap all over this movie all day because they completely whiffed. But this is just this was just a ridiculous comedy uh, right along the lines of just about anything that the Fairley Brothers put out. Well, yes and no. Ma- maybe a little bit better story. Maybe a little bit better put I think together. A, I think a cleaner story um, kind of... Controlled chaos. I mean, there there are certain scenes like the the funeral scene for our dearly departed Vince Neil, who played the Bo- lead Bobby singer Black. Bobby, Bobby Black, Black of Black Plague of Black Plague. 
Yes, who who died, and we assume because he was poisoned and not because the cholesterol got him. Well, um, he he was still super thin back yeah, then. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> He's not now. But you said you said it, it wasn't that the, the 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 funeral scene wasn't that well done. No, it was. But it, it wasn't. Go back to the nineties. Mm-hmm. Go back to people actually had to go out to do things. They couldn't live stream it on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it was. Um, they portrayed him as someone like I. I can't even come up with. Uh, um, who's super popular nowadays? Who's su- uh, 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 you're uh, asking artist. me? Yeah, an artist. Beyonce. Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's or or uh, or you know a, a big a big time rappers. Uh, uh, Post Malone. Let's say Post Malone. Okay. Because he's like the biggest thing in music right now. Let's say he has he dies and he's at a funeral. It's going to be chaos like that. There's going to be people trying to sneak in. There's going to be people. And I just think they were trying to per- per- portray this mass ridiculousness just because some guy who legitimately contributes nothing to society mm-hmm. has died. And at the time, everybody thought he overdosed. Right. It just it was just supposed to be ridiculous out of the ion sphere. It, it was. But then again, you've got these dark, thi- dark people saying dark things and, and you're supposed to like. Let's let's say let's let's talk about the fact okay the, the fact that uh, one of Grendel's henchmen slashes the tires on the Ford Fairlane on Ford Fairlane's Ford Fairlane, and he has to grab a hearse hearse, mm-hmm. um, and there's a a scantily clad woman that you assume is a corpse right so there's all this humor about that's hinting at necrophilia and then she wakes up in the end like she just had kind of nodded off um that's dark and they're trying to do this over the top but dark it it just it didn't it didn't mesh well together funny jokes though did it yeah it did Uh, oh oh, absolutely i didn't think it was that i did i i thought it was hysterical when he was trying to drive and she woke up who I I'm sorry, absolutely hysterical, ridiculous. Yeah, well put together. Nah, mm. but funny. I thought it was funny. Mm. You want to just stop right now since you don't like the movie? <laughs> no, it's uh, I, see. I have I have a problem when I when I see a movie that that I I want to to understand why you like it, and I can see parts of it here and there. It's just. Eh. But some movies you need to understand. Okay, and I'm going to go back to our buddy who says this all the time. Sometimes you just need to watch a movie and enjoy it. Mm. There's, there's, there's nothing. Okay, we've talked about network. Okay, yeah. that's a movie you need to understand. And if you understand it, the humor no, is better. It's not that I'm trying to find deep meaning in the adventures of Ford Fairlane. You ain't going to find it. It's a matter of I, I see a film that could have been done better, and I think that's that's what. Oh, I'm not. Me. I'm not arguing that. Could it? it oh, it could have been better. Of course, it could have been better. I still enjoyed it. Okay. I mean, that, that's what I'm getting right. at. Yeah, yeah. There's there. You're absolutely right. Everything mm-hmm. you said's right. But I can also look at this movie and go, well, that could have been a lot better. But you know what? I enjoyed what I got. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't enjoy it because I didn't. I don't enjoy the Dice Man character. I, I just. That, that makes it hard. It, it's hard for me to see. I mean, it, it n- not for nothing in his prime. 
Andrew Dice Clay was empirically an attractive guy, right? He was in good shape. I, I don't know that I looked at him that way, but sure. <laughs> he's, you know, you, 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 he's a, a bit out of place with the whole, because his whole, the whole Diceman character was supposed to be, you know, some aspects of John Travolta and, and the Fonz and Stallone and, and all that. Um, but I mean, uh, fundamentally in his prime, he was a good looking man. And they show him going into these clubs and all the women fawning all over him and giving them his number and, hey, do you remember me? And all this stuff. And, like, and to me, that's just not believable because that kind of aura that he gives off is just so damn unattractive to me that it, it, that was hard for me to kind of buy into that whole premise that he's this ladies' man. But he's also supposed to be this ladies' man, but he's dead fucking broke. Um, well, you ain't, you ain't got to have money to... to to be good looking or to be a no, ladies' man. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, still, he he's not a ladies' man because he treats him like crap. Yeah. And and so it's it's this very, very, it, it, it just was all very incongruous. I and mean, the fact that they he had these bands that are supposed to be making more money than Grendel, which is the, the whole reason that Grendel is doing his quote-unquote crimes, or I guess they are crimes if he's laundering Ke money. Killing people? Yeah. Yeah, killing people and <laughs> laundering. Doing laundry kind of a big one right there. You might yeah, want to hold on to that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe he'd make more money if he, he, you know, he cut down the budget on the henchmen. But, right? You know, right. Um, but he's supposed to be, that That was supposed to be the whole point of his crimes, right? He wasn't making enough money because all the bands were getting it. And the bands were hiring Ford Fairlane, but they weren't paying him money. They were giving him memorabilia and blenders and koalas and shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's, just, it's just a it's joke. There's it, you're so right, many it things that don't make sense in this movie you're that right. aren't, uh, you know what I mean? You're right. And it's just, had it been cleaner than some of the things that were actually funny, could have been a lot funnier. Uh, I won't argue that. It probably could have been better. Funnier word? Is funnier right? Funnier? Yeah, funnier, more funny. Funny, f I, I'm pretty sure funnier is a word. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Threw me off right there. You don't typically ask me help with English. <laughs> me, me, me for not, not grammar, know talk grammar, things well, with face right. on no. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. I, I get that. Right. I, I'm not 100% not arguing that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that what they did I thought was funny. Um, you, you, uh, you were talking about something there. Oh. Let's talk about how you don't think his persona is believable. We're coming right out of the 80s mm -hmm. in, into the 90s. Okay, mm -hmm. this I remember I remember legitimately when this movie came out cuz I was I was working uh for the summer uh waiting for to start my enlistment in the Marine Corps. And I was working in my car uh, as a landscaper for this guy and I was driving around and I and I, all I did was listen to music. I remember driving by the theater alone, "Oh, wow, what's that?" looked it up. I'm like, "Holy crap, didn't even know the movie was coming out." That time was all about, oh my God, you're in a rock and roll band. I want to be with you. That's what that's what eighties, that's what the hair bands were. Mm -hmm. There are stories, for instance, one of the stories that was very popular was on Def Leopard's Hysteria Tour. Mm -hmm. There was one night where they were having where um Rick Allen was doing the drum solo. And when it came time for them to come back in out of the drum solo, the guitarist wasn't on the stage, and somebody went up and told him, "You got to keep going. You got to keep playing." Come to find out, Rick Allen was under the stage having a threesome with a woman and her daughter. That was what that era was like. Women didn't care about; they just wanted to be with the star, 
and I think that's what they pulled that from. All the wi- all the videos you see, like Rat was the big one. Rat right. Rat had all the yeah. videos, and Stephen Piercy, great singer, not a good looking dude. And they had these women in these videos. You were like, Jesus, what are you? What are you? How much are you paying yeah, them? I, I, I think I that's what that. they were it's, pulling it's, from. It's, it's that whole persona in 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 aura and all that. But I just I I just d- didn't see it. And and I think a part of it too was kind of they were trying to make him very much a a, a noir kind of character, yeah. right? Yeah, um, they, that was that was a swing and a he's miss. He's got the the voiceover and he's you know all calm. You know, in the beginning, when he's on the beach and kind of contemplating the the state he's in and all that, it just didn't quite go with the brash. Hey ho, hey, yeah, I fucked him. Oh no, no, I, yeah. I agree, I agree. And you and like we said, that's probably from listening too much to to Dice Clay. Yeah. Apparently, the joke um, where she says, um, where where Colleen tells him, uh, "I once walked, nothing offends me. I once walked in on my father." And the Shetland pony he gave me when I was twelve, and then she looks at his groin, and he had just got up, and apparently he had erection. And she says, "Does that turn you on?" And he says, "I don't." He says, "I, I'm not." How does he say it? I, uh, he I'm w- not sure. I don't know your father. Something oh. about that. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Right. I don't know your father. Right. That was his ad lib. He said, "Let's okay. try this," and they kept it. Right. So, t- that was a. It's a. It's a crude, funny joke, but. That might have been a little bit of a better and a more tense scene mm-hmm. if it had just been, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you're, you're right. They tried to mix. He's not a noir guy. No. Th- definitely not a noir guy. Well, I mean, again, it's the character, right? And and, yes. and that's that's kind of a fundamental problem, you know, with Andrew Dice Clay, unfortunately. I, I don't think he's 100% not like his dice man character i think there's probably elements to him but as you were saying before priscilla presley was saying he is super nice i i was reading a new york times article um about him i I don't remember when it was written i'm gonna have to take a quick look you know when we go to the break here but the the reporter was saying you know he was striding around he was doing his his general you know, dice man kind of persona on the stage in the small club in Vegas. And then two days later, you know, the reporter was saying that they were in his home in LA and he's like, do you need something to eat? Are you okay? Are you, and, and he's definitely as a person wanting very much for you to find him likable as himself. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean he's not still that kind of brash persona, but I, I, I kind of feel you. There are comedians who there's a difference between your stick and your persona, and when your stick becomes a persona, it's very very difficult. Like we were talking the other day about uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Okay, his stick that m- when he blew up was you may be a redneck. Mm-hmm. But he can kind of walk away from that and explore other areas in his comedy and maybe throw that into a set just because people are expecting it. But he doesn't have to stick to it. Agreed. Versus Larry the Cable Guy, who's Larry the Cable Guy. So he's always got to be gear done, even if he didn't want to. And like when he tries to do things like act, it's got to be Larry the Cable Guy. And it's, it, it's limiting. And I, I really feel like he kind of painted himself into a corner a little bit and had to kind of go dry for a little while before he could go back into getting the 
the movie roles that actually allow him to be an actor. Because I do think he has chops. Yeah, well, Dice, Dice Man mm-hmm. died off right. very soon after this movie. Uh, he had, I think he had two really big albums. Mm-hmm. His first album was really big. His second album was a double album, and it came out after this. Do you know what role he was up for at one point? Indiana Jones? Mm-mm. No, I don't know. He was being considered to play opposite Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. He probably would have been pretty good in that. He probably would have. It's it's hard to say he would have been better because Joe Pesci absolutely killed that role. Yeah. But he'd have, he'd have fit in that role. But I'm gonna tell I tell you what I see that was like ninety four ninety three ninety four. I don't know that you could have put him in that role simply because of the whole mm-hmm. that's Andrew Dice Clay. How come he's not going? Hey hey oh fuck hey yeah oh you know. Right. And even though even though Joe Pesci did that. Joe Pesci was very New Yorker, mm-hmm. but he wasn't dirty. No, you know I I, I don't I I thought I don't I think he might have said shit in that movie. I think Marissa Tomei was the only person that swore. Yeah, dead. Do you give balls? A, no, no. When she, when she was talking that the one scene where she's talking about now, do you really give a shit what kind of pants the guy who blew your brains out was wearing? <laughs> I think that she was. I mean, I think he's a good. I mean, he got a lot of credit for Blue Jasmine. A lot of I think for he Blue I Jasmine. Uh, he was just in uh, start played uh, Lady Gaga's father in A Star yep. Is Born, and yep. got some good notices for that. I, I mean, we I mean we've beat the whole mm-hmm. they didn't put the movie together right thing right. into the ground. I I liked I liked his humor. I was a guy. It made me laugh. Was it crude? Yes, it was crude. Um, the the nursery rhymes were different. <laughs> you know, and that's not really what we're talking about. I just thought that he was kind of funny. Yeah. I thought this movie was funny for many reasons, a lot of which are not him. I loved Ed O'Neill's character, Morris Day's character. I, I, I yeah. You, I, know, I, you know how you know how long it was before I found out that Robert England didn't have an English accent. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, some of the just uh, Zuzu pedals. I, I, I thought she. Killed it in this movie. They did, yeah. They, she was an interesting character. I think the issue was that you know, again, the way that it was set up, you, you didn't have time to really explore these characters. Because I, I did like the Ed O'Neill character. Um, I, I liked when they were, they had those confrontations and they'd start saying, they'd start re- repeating each other and just saying the same thing back and forth, and they'd be in this side by side profile. And honest to God. I'm like, Andrew, you are looking into a mirror for yourself 20 years down the road because they almost have this very same profile. And I I wish they would have given us time with that character. The same thing with the Morris Day character. Um, I just d- again, had, just like you said, they probably on, yeah. just it, there's there was too much to really get invested in, in the characters. Lauren Holly did a, a fabulous job in this movie. Agreed. She kind of reminded me of Bailey from WKRP meets Annie Potts from Ghostbusters, but um, but she was a likable character. The movie was an hour and forty four minutes long, mm-hmm. and I think they were probably pushing length at that point. Yeah. So to add a lot of stuff now to have the to have had them interact more might have been cool, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, you had to have the Julian Grindle character involved mm-hmm. more than Lieutenant Amos right. or or Morris Day. Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the other characters. Sounds good. All right. 
Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Oh, was that break as good for you as it was for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah? You don't, don't, don't convince everybody all at once. Uh, I took a nap. It's okay. Oh, I'm good just trying you. to wake up. All right. Okay, so you looked up the article that, you were, that you were I talking did. about. I did. It was from uh, late January of this year. Uh, it is a New York Times article called Does Society Need Andrew Dice Clay? Um, and he talks a little bit about that whole Dice persona. Um, he was, they, they consider him uh, on the Mount Rushmore of comedy as Dice, his outrageously offensive and especially sexist alter ego, or at least he always insisted it was a character, a distinction that often felt blurry. It's very hard to explain dice, he said. Even after all these years, I call myself 50 shades of dice. There are parts when what's on stage, there are parts of what's on stage that's real. I did smoke, I am from Brooklyn, and I do have certain views on relationships. By the second half of 1990, he had been branded with a scarlet C for controversial. MTV banned him after he recited his trademark lewd nursery rhymes at the 1989 Music Video Awards. Nora Dunn, a Saturday Night Live cast member, and Sinead O'Connor refused to appear on an episode he hosted in May 1990. His manager dropped him. A three-picture deal with Mr. Diller was canceled, and Mr. Clay uses the word blackballed when describing it now. So that's kind of when things fell apart. Okay. Um, uh, a funny thing happened on the way to irrelevance, uh, ir- irrelevance sorry. in 2011. Doug Ellen, a producer of Entourage and a fan since childhood, cast him in the final season of a fictionalized version of Andrew Dice Clay that led to a critically lauded role in Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. And eventually a star is born. So... Again, you know, this is what we were talking about, you know, the persona versus the artist. And and I and I I do consider comedians artists. Right. But it's it is a fine line when you're embodying something to come out on stage and be that. Now, there have been people who have broken away from that fairly well, but not always. Um, And it's 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 a difficult thing. So I did. We need that break from him. Probably. Why don't you read the part about him that you told me there? Uh, remind me what I was saying here. Oh, yeah. So um, as I said before, um, the, the journalist, Jessica Shaw, um, described him first uh, as uh, doing a, a show at the Laugh Factory New Year's, uh, New Year's weekend um, at the Tropicana. And he was 
kind of strutting about, black jeans, leather vests, fingerless gloves, the whole nine yards. Um, but then a few days later, uh, she's at his uh, Los Angeles home, and he's saying to her, what do you want to eat? I got locks, I got bagels. Is the temperature okay for you in here? Uh, the only thing that Andrew Dice Clay wants more than to offend you is to be loved by you. I mean, he's a human being. He's an artist. Yeah. Um, but, that you know, that's 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 the fine line you walk between well. artists. And this it's the same thing with Eminem, right? When Eminem was, when when did he blow up? Like late nineties? I think right after his first hit. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. That was insightful. Yeah. Well, hey, that's what I'm here for. I drive the conversation. But uh, I remember at the time, like my niece was in high school, and we were having. I think I took her out to dinner one night, and she started talking about Eminem and all these things in his personal life. And and it's very hard when you have a persona and an artist, and it, it's. It's a little bit about media literacy, like I said in our last podcast, our last episode, right? You have to kind of understand that even though even though there is a story there, it you look at a person who is a performer, and it's not like you're looking at a book. A book is either labeled fiction or nonfiction. And ever since the 2000s when they started putting in reality TV and all these things and in videos and MTV and all that, it that line is harder to decipher. So yeah, but we all know that reality TV is not reality. No, it's okay. not exactly. And but that that's that's what blurs the lines here between fiction and nonfiction. Well, that and the meme with the cat. Y- well, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that cat. Um. <laughs> that may be one of the single greatest things that's ever happened in American history. Is that meme? No, no, I don't understand it. <laughs> what is it from? Somebody tell me, the please. Two, the two women that you see are from one of the. I think it's from one of the housewives. Oh, of. is it the housewives? That's yeah. why I don't have and that's no. Clue. And that's that's them being. She's flipping out because of something that somebody said to her, and the fact that you just see this cat smiling at her. It's the best of both worlds. It's some dumb bitch from the housewives, right. Getting snarkied by right. a, a cat. So. Right. So it's but uh, anyway, what I'm trying to say here is, you know, when you've got something like that, it's very hard for your fans if they if they don't take into consideration the media that they're consuming, that they even non fans will tend to believe whatever the persona is and not the person. Right. Well, I don't I don't blame the artist. I blame the person because I never thought that Harrison Ford was actually Indiana Jones. I never thought that Mark but Hamill was But he's the president action. of the United States, is he? What? Harrison Ford? Get off yeah. my plane. Yeah, he's also a replicant. A replicant president? Yes. Oh, my God. Have you called the papers yet? It's fucking Terminator up in this bitch. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but people do need to be able to understand. If they can't differentiate between what a person is in a movie and what a person actually is, I can't help them right. to start off with. But the thing is, is we don't we don't educate kids on what you know how to do that i mean more often i think more now that we're getting into the era of quote-unquote fake news um i think teachers are trying to help people distinguish is this a real piece of journalism is this news consider the source and stuff like that but 
it's I think it's important to to be able to make that distinction because people, especially if you're a rabid fan, um, you know, I brought up my niece when, when she was much younger, right? So she thought Eminem was cute. She, you know, wanted, she just hated his ex-wife because, you know, he always talked about his daughter and his ex-wife and his raps and, and then in the music, it's raps. Is that it? Raps. Um, what songs? God, I'm coming off as so uncool here. Uh, his songs, yeah. Um, I'm here for you. Thanks, thanks. It's late at night, so I'm a little, little woozy. Um, but anyway, so she would be she believed everything that was being told to her through the song, and it's like you ha songs are not always nonfiction. They are they can be a mix of both. A song is a story, and a story can be true. A story can be false. A story can be a little bit of both. So that's that's just kind of what I'm. Heading toward. Okay. You, you picking up what I'm laying down? I, I picked it up. I picked it up instantly. Uh, Dice is not who ac he actually is. Right. That's that shouldn't be hard for people to differentiate. But you get mob mentality, and you get people who are looking at him because he is he he in and of himself as as a character is a stereotype. So it's mm, well, you know. nobody wants to listen to what's his name, Andrew Silverstein. Andrew. Yeah, it was Silver. Sil Silverman. Silverman I think. Whatever. Nobody wants to hear that. Okay, it's 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 an onstage persona. It's an onstage performance. There are a lot of people that are they act one way in public and they're not that way, and that's because nobody nobody wants to see that. It's understandable. Right. But that shouldn't affect what he is or doesn't do as far as being an artist until he gets pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. He was he was who he was on on MTV. Now I, I've seen what happened on MTV. Um, technically, technically, if you pay for a cable, if you pay for a channel, whether it's basic cable or not, the FCC has no ability to monitor that as of now. So if the thing that had happened during the Super Bowl with Janet and Justin had happened on AMC, mm -hmm. there would have been no issue. Now, yeah. I think that rule has changed since that happened, but you know, MTV gets upset because they ban him. You brought this guy on here who is known for what he does. He's going to do it because back then you couldn't just sit in a chair with your phone looking at you mm -hmm. and make a coarse, crass video and get 50 million views. You had to do something like what he did. Now, right. what he did wasn't that bad, but by them, blah, 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 their standards... I mean, we we're, we got songs going on and things like that. He got banned from MTV for life. Uh, but they lifted the ban. They lifted the ban, which is funny because he makes a joke in the sh in the movie about being banned from MTV, which yeah. I thought was was yeah. very funny. There there's there's several there's several bits of trivia about this. Uh, the Robert England role was supposed to have been played by Billy Idol. He had been cast. Yeah, I can see that. He was in a very serious motorcycle accident about three weeks before filming, and Remy Harlan knew, Rennie Harlan knew England and asked him to do it, and it Robert England jumped out, jumped at the opportunity because, other than V, on TV and and uh, Freddy Krueger, he was nobody knew who he was, so he wanted he wanted to do that. They almost stopped the producer, the producer, I, and I can't remember who the name of the producer was. Almost canceled filming two weeks before they started because he thought Dice Clay looked too fat. 
yeah. Yeah, the producer was Joel Silver. Uh, the scene where they're fighting on the boat with uh, Ford in uh, Hello, Hello, when he opens up the... Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because in one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, as Freddy, he jumped through a mirror and hit somebody else on the head with a TV. And it uh, was it was reversed it was in reverse, this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's lots of little things. The scene, also the scene where he says, um, I call you a jerk off because that's what you are. They actually kind of stole that from Robert Redford. I'm sorry, Robert De Niro, not Robert Redford. Robert Redford would never say you're a jerk off. No, that's what you he's are. Too, he's too he's much he's of a yeah. gentleman. It was, it was Robert De Niro in, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, uh, from 1973. And then, of course, the famous line they stole from Jimmy Cagney, top of the world, ma! When they're on top of the, <laughs> when they're on top of the Capitol Records building. Well, you you can also see in a little bit of his performance because uh, oh, I can't think of the the character name. Um, his Dice Man character is kind of this amalgam between John Travolta and I want to say, is it Buddy Rich or Buddy Prince, in the, in the. Professor Nutty Professor movies. Okay. Um, Jerry Lewis right. ha- had the n- the Nutty Professor who had this alter ego after he drinks the concoction, mm-hmm. and he's a, a little bit of a, a jerk. But you can see when he gets in those situations where he's like, <laughs> you know, that's got that Jerry Lewis kind of yeah feel. To well, it. that was I mean that was stuff straight from his from his skits that mm-hmm. that that. <laughs> All that. In mm. fact, uh, look it up online. There is a two and a half minute skit on YouTube of Gilbert Godfrey doing an impersonation of Andrew Dice Clay. Oh God, I want to see that. The whole time, all he's doing is whipping his arm around like he's trying to smoke, like like like, like when he lights his cigarettes, <laughs> and going, "Yeah, so so they went this girl and he goes, but it's Gilbert Godfrey doing it, and it's hysterical. And, and I hope. I hope that this happened after the movie that they could uh, re- that, that they could do that together and, and work together because they they seem like they probably hit it off well two a young lot. T- two young Jewish boys from from New York yeah I mean. yeah and then even the picture like remember when he's after the the Johnny character dies and and he's looking at the picture of them when they're in their band together I mean the, that's the, that's yes. that's really funny and and that was. You know, you could probably tell that they probably had a good time at that photo shoot and well, look at all geeky and stuff. From listening to everybody uh, in that little snippet, uh, media trip press, whatever they had there, uh, I watched the press junket thing. It, it, it seems like everybody got along with him. Mm-hmm. It seems like, uh, you know, Wayne Newton was talking about how he he enjoyed playing the bad guy. And everybody was like, Wayne, you're so popular. He's like, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Everybody thinks I'm a good guy. He says, you're going to offer me a role in a movie. And there's a role for a good guy and a role for the bad guy. He says, I want to take the role for the bad guy because he never gets to do it. Right. Priscilla Presley's only movie that was that did not have the words Naked Gun in it. I was really <laughs> surprised that <laughs> she it, was in this. But it had it, it could have had a Naked Gun feel to it. Oh, it, it could have. And I think it did have a little bit of a Naked Gun feel to it with some of the ridiculousness. They mm-hmm. just didn't go as far as Naked Gun would go. Yeah, or they didn't have the 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 beauty of Naked Gun as Les- Leslie Nielsen playing it straight. Right. Completely all the way through with all the craziness going around. Yeah, because there were things that Dice Clay said that mm-hmm. w- were intended to be funny, and the and the um. Oh man, I can. Ne- it's it, the Leslie Nielsen character. I was going to try and say his actual character name. Um, right. 
uh, he would he was never trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. He was just straight up, don't call me Shirley. That 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 type of right. that type of right. situation. I enjoyed immensely, immensely, the whole scene that was in the Capitol Tower build, the Capitol Records building, when they were climbing down. Yeah, I found it. It's all broke. It's all scratched. And then he falls, <laughs> yeah. and that whole my hair, my hair. Yeah. I, I literally ha- at times have rewound that and watched that like four or five times in a row when they're falling. It just absolutely cracks me up. It just it's just so stupid and ridiculous. They would never survive that. Mm. I just love the one-liners in this movie. Yeah, I, I think that they gave. Um, when we talk about characters, when we talk about, is it Johnny Crunch? That's it, Johnny Crunch. Johnny Crunch. Which is the... Oh God, Gilbert I'm Gottfried. I cannot... Oh, got the dumb right now. Gilbert Gottfried, yeah, because I do like Gilbert Gottfried a lot. I know a lot we of people... We both do. A lot of people find him grating um, simply because of the voice, and he plays that. But and, and it was nice to see him kind of toned down a little bit more and actually acting. Um, have you ever seen his stand-up? Of course I have. I think I f- I find it his stand up is really smart. Exceptionally smart. It is. It's also very filthy. Some of it is. There is there's one of one of my favorite jokes of his is isn't filthy at all. It's a little blasphemous, but it's not <laughs> it's not filthy. Where he's on the stage and he has a book and he's like, you know, in the early days of the Bible they had pictures. And if you flipped it this way, you'd see Jesus. Riding on a donkey. And if you flipped it that way, it'd be a fat lady with a hula hoop. Now, originally it was the fat lady with the hula hoop who was a lot more popular, but it tended to go the other way, and now it's Jesus. And you know how I know this? It's because when you get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe, you're not yelling, fat lady with a hula hoop, fat lady with a hula hoop. That's right. He was really funny when he was on episodes. The couple of episodes that he was yeah, on. Yeah, uh, well, he was yeah. he was playing he, he exactly what you would expect. Oh, of course, of Gilbert course. Gilbert Godfrey. But he, uh, I, I did not really know who Gilbert Godfrey was the first time I saw this movie. I just thought he was just some guy. But I thought that that, that whole scene with the that she's my daughter. You know, she's w- and I love her. He's like, come on, Johnny, be straight with me. You know. Yeah. That was interesting to me how they wrote the Zuzu Petal character uh, because she was somebody's daughter. Mm-hmm. She was somebody's. Um, sister, but sister. not really. And then she was a psychopath killer, <laughs> that g- according to the police. Right. Uh, and, and she literally had no clue about what was going on in the world at all. Do you get the Zuzu Petals reference? Of course I do. That was the name of uh, the, chari- the the daughter in oh, It's a Wonderful Life. Right. And she had the flower petals. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Duh. Okay. Just checking. I've seen It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. No, 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 I know. Well, that's why I said it was a great name for her because you're like, wh- why would why would you name your kid that? Yeah, it was a little odd, yeah. But you know, I don't think that was her. I think that was her groupie name, but probably, probably most likely. But the um, scene where the <laughs> the scene where he's talking to the kid and the kid's like, Ford, I got a job for you," and they each light a cigarette and he reaches <laughs> over and he smacks it out of his mouth. <laughs> You say fuck again, I'm gonna bang you right the fuck out. I don't know why. It's just funny to me. It it just it, uh, I like it. That kid character and I think the Lauren Holly character, I think were intended to be 
surrogates for those who didn't like Andrew Dice Clay. It was they, they, they were intended to kind of soften him. and They gave him his redeemability at the end of the movie. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Now, he, now he's going to take care of the kid because he knows that the kid's father's dead. And he's going to take care of Jazz because he realizes she's a great woman and he, could, he can't do any better. Well, not that he can't do any better. Learn Holly's a nice-looking woman. That's why he can't do any better. Yeah. And she's smart. Yeah. No, I just movie. mean that he knows he, it, he, he wasn't going after the bimbos anymore. He, right. re, he, right. realized, he realized what a real woman. He was going to turn blah, blah, blah. his life around. I will say that that outfit she has on at the end when she gets out of the VW bug was absolutely atrocious. I don't know who picked I that d- out, but they I should be fired. I do not recall people dressing like that in the 90s. Me either. I have no, that it, it wasn't, it really, yeah, it was not the most flattering on her Not even. All. Not even a little not bit. I- not even close. Not even a little bit. Yeah. But I, d- I liked her character. I liked. I don't remember seeing Lauren Holly in a lot other than Dumb and Dumber in this movie. I'm, I was trying to figure out where else have I. S- I know she's been on. She wasn't. It wasn't Twin Peaks. It was something else. Um, Picket Fences. Yes. Yes. She was in Picket Fences. Yeah. She had a lot of bit parts, uh, soap operas, stuff like that. Um, her big breakout was Dumb and Dumber. Uh, and and uh, and in the uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, both came out very close together. And uh, she was in the Sabrina remake, Down Periscope, um, and, and then a lot of other smaller stuff. Uh, Any Given Sunday, What Women Want. Mm-hmm. No real huge starring roles, but I think that through that whole era, that, that whole area that we were talking about, that I think sh- that was when she was with Jim Carrey anyway. So she was not needing to work. She's got 103 acting credits, which is pretty damn good. It is. Um, it is. No movie that I'm running across that I'm like, oh my god, you got to see that. But she's a very comp, uh, a very competent, very accomplished actress, as far as I'm concerned. I think she's, I think she's good. I, th- I thought she was very good in this. I thought all the people that played the parts in this movie were very good. I mean, can someone tell me what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like slowly, the way he does his eyes, the way Morstay does his eyes when he says slowly, it's like that. You just got goosed. Look, right? <laughs> like what the? It, it, it was it was fantastic. The guy that played Sam the sleazebag. He's been in several movies. Most notably, the one that I remember is Commando with Schwarzenegger. He's a bad guy in Commando. Okay. He's got a lot of bit parts. He was he was really good in what at what he did in that movie. Uh, Ed O'Neill, Johnny Crunch, uh, Robert England. I thought all the characters were were really just kind of fun. They 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 did a good job. With what they had, it wasn't Oscar-nominated performances, but but, but Andrew Dice Clay did get a Razzie. Well, of course he did. Of course he did. Best now, actor. Funny story. We talked about Tro- uh, Kyle Troy. I'm gonna be the one girl. That guy. He's from the Tampa Bay area. Oh, really? He actually has a band that he's the lead singer of. That is like an all-star band of people that are famous. That's very popular, and he now makes movies hmm. he's not in movies too much he's uh, done a couple there's they're smaller independence film independent films not independence day films they're independent films you see what i did right there mm-hmm. and that's okay you don't need to laugh you don't don't, don't worry about it. H- hold yourself back yeah, calm down right. it's I okay all right all right good it's it's thank taking god. everything thank god well I, that's what i love about you is laugh. your will your will to do what needs to be done uh th- but they get a lot of they get a lot of credit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They get a lot of. Um, 
I'm sorry. I I, I, I have the I have the dumbs tonight too. Yeah. Like like when you take like when you <laughs> take a movie brain, folks. when you take a movie to, to like let's say the Cannes Film Festival and it's super popular but it never gets released. They get a lot of accolades from the okay, from yeah. the community okay. it, that, that they're good. They're just not um, they're not blockbusters. They're very well made movies. Um, I like a movie that when I watch it, no matter how many times I watch it, I can see something new. Mm-hmm. Some movies I've seen so many times I can't catch anything. Right. I saw something new in this movie for the first time watching it with you the other night. And at the end of the movie, when uh, Ford confronts Julian because he knows what's going on right before he lights him on fire with the milkshake, Mm -hmm. when they're in the back and he comes back out and he pushes him on the front of the stage with a gun, I never noticed that the Kyle Troy character actually faints and falls down on the stage. And I love that there are always little stupid stuff like that in a movie that you can catch. It, it it makes it, it just shows to me that there's a lot of attention mm-hmm. to detail and not like let's just get this scene so we can go home. Yeah, I've got a uh, you just you just mentioned something I'm writing it down for the I have questions portion of the show. Um, We're probably there. No, <laughs> I I do want to talk about Morris Day a little bit because I was I was hoping that this would he would be like my favorite part because. Other than Purple Rain and and the whole, because Morris Day in the Time is a Prince fan. Sheila E. is a Prince protege, and you know he's he's tapped her. He's 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 had all these bands that he's had influences on. But Morris Day worked well as a foil to Prince, meaning just kind of reflecting opposites, right? Because Prince was supposed to be this intense quiet, contemplative, almost an en- enigmatic person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Prince. Hi. Yeah. And Thank then you. you've got Morris Day. Hey, hey, everybody, what the fuck's Hallelujah. going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I always liked, I think I was, I mean, the, the songs weren't always great, but. They had some good it ones. Was, yeah, because Prince wrote, and. There's a there's a little bit of trivia that we'll, we'll add on later, but I always thought that he was fun, right? He was definitely this fun, energetic, charismatic persona, and there, I, I guess if he was trying to get into his serious acting role, this was not the film for it. But he was so reserved; um, it was surprising. That was super surprising to me. Yeah. Again. Uh, there probably wasn't a lot of places for him to be in this movie other than the part he played. Yeah. And the part he played was a very small role. I think he only had like five lines. Right. Five or six. Uh, the biggest the biggest scene would have been the one when they were in the studio when he first run, they first come across Kyle Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Th- I, th- I, thought, I thought it was pretty funny the way that he handled that conversation with Ford he was basically very honest. Mm-hmm. You know about how what a piece of garbage this guy is. Until he started making fun of Julian Grindle, then he was like, "No, no, cut that, cut that <laughs> shit out. Don't talk about that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, again. He's behind me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> ag- again, <laughs> it's just another person that they put into that role that I think was really well cast. Yeah, they they had him step it down and back mm-hmm. tone tone it down a little bit, but he he did a great job. He did a great job with what he was supposed to do. I I thought I I. Uh, can somebody tell me what the fuck is going on here? Like slowly, <laughs> I love that scene. I, it just, it's just, there are certain lines in movies that resonate with you for the rest of your life. That's going to be one of them. Okay, all right. When we're nine hundred years old and we're holding hands, I'm going to be like, "Can you tell me what?" No, I'm kidding. <laughs> tell me what's going on, and you'll you'll actually mean it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I probably say it slowly too. Okay. Okay. So. All right. Oh, so before we go on there, I, I do want to tell tell a story about. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this interview with Morris Day. You know that bird. Yep. Hit that they had. What? Yep. You know, um, he would do that dance. I don't know if it was the bird or the oak tree. I think it was the bird. And he'd do the they'd do the bird on stage. And Prince would be like, Don't do that. It looks stupid. Don't do it. And they're like, We're gonna do it anyway. So I think Prince finally gave in and let them do that song. But <laughs> I just thought it was funny. You had to. Yeah. I mean it was a hit. It was it was it was their biggest song. Wasn't it? No, Jungle Love was. Oh, that's right. That song sucked. The bird was better. And what was that one? Hit? What was the one that I was just singing from Hallelujah? I don't remember. Yeah. I have to think about it. Nah, people can look it up. This isn't a song about. This isn't a, a Morris Day song <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, uh, do you have questions? Because I'm I'm gonna sing this to myself until I figure out what it is. Just go ahead and ask ask me your question because I I don't have any because I, uh, I I don't need I don't need to ask any. Well, I. I think we we kind of answered one for me, which was I didn't quite follow the crime as as clearly as uh, you did, apparently. But you've seen this movie more than once. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of my questions is, how disgusting would a Sambuca milkshake be? I don't know, but it lights on fire. It does light on fire. That's all that matters. But I just can't imagine because it looked like it was even just like vanilla Sambuca is like a black licorice. <sighs> Gross. We've talked about this on another podcast about how good and plenty tastes like ass, and yet it's still there. So there's a lot of people that like Sambuca, a lot of people that like mm. licorice. I'm kind of glad that didn't catch on. I mean, it's probably the th the ridiculousness of it. Is probably like it like that for a reason, mm -hmm. because nobody knows how to make it. There's yeah. a reason nobody knows how to make it because it tastes like ass, you know. So that's that's what I have going on there. That that's that's yeah. what that question. I have you know. I mean, if you want if you want to play that game, why would he catch on fire and burn so quickly from the sandwich yeah, milkshake? <laughs> you know, what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I did laugh at because that was. Just flipping ridiculous he went from like flames on his suit to his his he must not have as fine quality suits as, as we all thought he did they're like that flammable pajama material polyester maybe. yeah completely i gotta imagine silk probably goes total, up pretty quick total burning man just i gotta like got imagine silk probably burns pretty quick i'm, I'm not uh, fortunate enough to own anything silk but I, ca I can't imagine that it burns slow mm. yeah but that was just completely Stuntman school, one-on-one, -on -one burning dude. Yep. Burning dude. That what That's what it was? The, the other question that I had, and we've talked about this, I mean, I'm assuming that the Vince Neil character was poisoned. Uh, you have to assume that because we know we know that he killed he killed him because he found out. I don't I don't get why he would choke like that on stage other than they wanted this uh, this album this uh the movie chicken wing. <laughs> this movie had a very good soundtrack, a very good soundtrack. Um, if you liked hair bands, that uh, there was the song by Vince Neil. I see, I do. <laughs> there was a song by Queensrÿche, who was one of my favorite bands, mm -hmm. that was only available on that album. I still to this day, 
have not found where it plays in the movie. I I, I, I always try and hear it, and I always forget to, uh, it's probably there. Could have been in the credits. Could could have been. It could have been last night in Paris. They they it's got it had a big time soundtrack. They probably just wanted a reason to have Vince Neil in the movie. Yeah. Because it was Vince Neil and Motley Crue was huge in 1990, mm-hmm. and to have him dance around on stage that concert was actually filmed at Red Rocks. I've never been there. Have you? I've never been to Colorado. Oh, we got to fix that. Um, Why? Because weed's legal? No. Oh, okay. No. I would like to go see a concert at Red it's Rocks, but no, I've never been there. It's very pretty. But I, I can only imagine that they just had to have a reason to have him in concert. It couldn't just be like, you know, he couldn't have just been sitting there and had Kurt Loder come on and say, oh, Bobby Black's dead, because you'd have been like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, you I know think what they I mean? wanted to... T- to get Did into the whole rock and roll vibe yeah. of this thing. Did they poison him? I, I, I mean, oh, that's I all mean, you can you assume. Don't, you don't, at least in my mind, I, I, I'm not a medical professional, so I, I can't say, but you would think him coughing and choking and is is not a an overdose, right? An overdose is nodding off and not waking up, or an overdose is a, a spasm. Well, it, it, or but a it, it could be a, a neurotoxin that prevents you from breathing. I mean... Mm. A lot of the training that I went through because I was in the military during the Gulf War with all the supposed nerve agents and stuff, some of those, if they get in you, that's what happens. You're, you're, you can't mm. breathe and stuff. That's what it looked like he was doing. He was choking yeah. is what it looked like. So maybe he wasn't able to pro- – who, who knows? Right. But maybe they used that poison in Game of Thrones that <laughs> you know hits you like 45 <laughs> minutes later. You know, It's possible. So. Boobs and – Huh? Boobs and violence. Yep, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. Well, I still probably much kinder than the the cholesterol that's going to get the poor guy. Probably. Have Have you seen? I I looked at a picture of him, at after we watched this to to try to. You know, just do some basic research, and man, he looks like a younger Vince Neil, and Guy Fieri had a sixty-year-old baby. You know, those. everybody mm-hmm. wants the life of a rock and roller. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants the life of someone who's famous. Sometimes it's not a life you want. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the guy has demons. I'm sure he d- he's, had guy, a, he's, he's had, he's a, had, he's a, had rough a rough life. I mean, it's self-imposed, some, most he's of done it. Time in, he's done time in prison. He killed his best friend on accident in a DUI. Lost his uh, The story daughter. there is that they used to go to these parties that this guy, this producer, used to, 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 to throw in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it started on Friday night and ended on Monday morning. And when you showed up, you gave him your keys. And he and his buddy decided they wanted to leave for a little bit. And they stole one of the guy's cars and took one of the roads. He got in an accident and killed his friend. He's, he's an alcoholic. They're going out on tour again next year. Uh, Led Zeppelin. No, not Led Zeppelin. Def Leppard. Poison. Motley Crue and Joan Jett mm-hmm. and Motley Crue's people have basically said, if you're going to go, you're going to go get, you're going to get clean first. It's real easy to put on a lot of weight when you're an alcoholic. Oh yeah. It's real easy. Well, alcohol is sugar. So, uh, you know, the, the guy looks like he looks like ass, but he's also probably 60 years old. Yeah, of course. You know, he's, he's, he's up there. He's not a spring chicken anymore like he was in this movie, but. For what he did in that movie, he did great. <laughs> Especially that scene where he was rolling down the hill in the glass rolling round coffin. In the glass round coffin, yeah. He looked. It looked like one of those bank teller tubes. That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like. That's exactly what it looked like. So why don't you tell me what your three favorite parts of the movie were? Oh, all right. Let me think. 
It's not cat, that hard. We the, just the we cat has some definite opinions. Yeah, the cat can um, get the hell out of here. Wow. Um, what did I think? Um, uh, what did I think was good? Uh, surprisingly enough, the sorority scene made me laugh. Because it was because it's it ridiculous. Was so yep. over the top and so crazy, like. So that's yeah, not no, that's that not what it's really like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Honey, Are you no. going to ruin that for me? Yes, I am. Damn it! <coughs> Thank you so much. You okay? Yeah. Sorry. Bless you. Um. <sighs> let me see. It n- off the top of my head, I I know there were a few things that I could pull. Uh, the the Ed O'Neill was funny. And there was one other thing that I, th- I, I said I, th- I thought I could appreciate, and I, c- I can't remember what that was. Do you remember what I said? <laughs> no, I don't. I remember <laughs> I remember there were a couple times you laughed, but I don't remember which parts you laughed at. Yeah, uh, there was there was something that I thought was was kind of clever because it, it reminded me of of something else. I could definitely see what he was trying to do there, but I just I don't I don't recall. So I, I apologize. I really liked uh, not the first booty time, but the second booty time when he's saying, "Hey." Is that you singing <laughs> Booty Time? Yeah. Well, booty Time's the only white disco song as far as I'm concerned. And he's like, well, there's more where that came from. Uh, that, uh, to me, was a, uh, I loved it. The entire exchange between him and Gilbert Gottfried. Suzuki Samurai. You Benson Hurst piece of shit. Do you get that joke at all? Because it, it was like 20 years before so I found out what uh, this bef- joke was. Before he was Ford Fairlane, he, that he was labeling himself as Suzuki Samurai, or was he saying Suzuki Samurai just as a riff on Ford Fairlane? As a bust on Ford Fairlane. And but then Benson Hurst is a New Jersey... See, I did not know that. Being from Florida, you being from Massachusetts, you knew that probably. I'm sure, because everybody in Massachusetts knows about Benson Hurst, New Jersey. No. I had no idea what it meant. Right. But I loved, I loved that whole scene. That whole scene and the part where he comes back and he says... Somebody's killing Johnny. She's like, no, no. And then he's like, oh, fucking shit, my Christ. That just that whole line just absolutely cracks me up. Oh, you know what I did laugh at? It's after then when they're in studio and after Johnny has been electrocuted and they pulled the envelope out of his jacket that had the money and half the money's disintegrated and fallen out of there. And he was like, oh, because, yeah, because it would just only the edges would burn. Right. The envelope was still good, but the money inside no, the envelope. there was a hole in the envelope. Yeah, but, <laughs> but still, once that chick catches on fire, it's done. But it's like all this sentimentality, but the money. Yeah. It was the money that broke his heart. Yeah, and then the hair. My hair. Those that's 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 John Travolta. Uh, of course it is. That's way. him making fun of John Travolta, but I just I love it because of all the things that you're worried about when you're falling off the Capitol building was my hair. My hair. <laughs> so, um, would you watch this movie again? No. However, I might be interested in in seeing if we can find it because it's no longer on Showtime is Dice. Which okay. is a show I think he did between I want to say 2014, 2018, something like that, yeah. Um and I've I've seen a couple clips from it and I've seen the trailers and I think you can watch it online if you can find it. Um, but it's definitely, it's him, you know, I- in the midst of, of trying to make this comeback. Um, he is now kind of in a world that isn't the most at-home place for him. 
and he's trying to provide for his family. And they go back to they go back they move back to Vegas so they that go he to can Vegas, try and be yeah. yes. And I um I I mean I think we could probably set it up. T- I I think I sent you the You did. The you sent me the trailer? Yeah, so we could play the trailer, but I I I think I'd watch that. Okay. So would you watch Ford Fairlane again? No. Oh. Would you watch Ford Fairlane again? No. What if I asked you to watch Ford Fairlane again? I would have to <laughs> to put some conditions <laughs> into this ask. Understood. Ask me if I would watch Ford Fairlane again. I, I'm yes. I d- I d- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it's even Goddamn right, I would. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to yes. ask you if you'd watch it again. Yes, yes, I would. Yes, yes. Everybody out there, yes, I would watch this again. Yes. <laughs> if somebody could remake this and probably do a better job with it, yes, I'd watch it again. I don't know. I, I, I mean, to me, to me, what makes it funny is legitimately the. It's just the ridiculousness of the 80s it's when i grew up mm-hmm. uh, it's it's still uh, it's it's you know what some of the music isn't good but i still sing along to it some of the music's fantastic it was just it's just like our parents growing up in the 50s they relate to that and it's this perfect time for them the 80s was that for me and, and this this movie took it and that's what they did they made they made an 80s movie with it that was the, r- the ridiculous of it. i don't know that you could do this movie now and it be funny because it's a complete different culture in music and it's a complete it's it's you know what i mean yeah, it's I've it's just not there i've never read with. the ford fairlane stories i and have not and either. i and i i searched in vain to try to see if i could find at least some excerpts of the book and i and i couldn't so it's hard to tell whether or not these stories would reflect well if i think if they're done in a style that lets you know this is the 80s and done in a way where this persona could actually be this persona and not an amalgam of two different ones it might work who knows you know and and, and a lot of that might depend on uh, the time frame that it was written in too you know yeah. it's a lot easier to write that noir in a 50s 60s time setting well, because because right. of just you know what i mean i don't i, I think to me it would be hard I don't know that there's a lot of noir movies that come out now that are popular. There was one last year, I remember, that came out, and I was kind of intrigued about seeing it and ended up not seeing it. It had, jo- it had John Travolta in it, actually. I can't remember what it was. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, it, I'm it's coming up short. There's yeah, it was, it was it, it, something about a rose, po- the rose is p- poison okay. rose or whatever. And it was it, nobody ever heard of it. I don't know if you can get that noir feel in today's world. You can. Well, let me let me let me. Bring on an example of noir comedy in mixed with another genre done right, and that's Roger Rabbit, who killed Ro- or who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. That is noir, yes. and it is, but it's also comedy. That's done really well. That's Zemeckis. So it, it is done really well, but it was also set during the forties. It is set during the forties. Okay, 40s. that's that's what I'm getting at. You, uh, I think it would be hard to have a noir film set. In 2019, to me, mm, maybe, but I I think that even if you like retroed it into 80s, you you probably could. You might be able yeah. to do it in the 80s. Just a, it's I think it's a technology thing. It's the pool of the pond. A what? It's the pool of the pond. It could be. It couldn't. 
the pool or the pond. Either would be either yeah. would be good with me. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I mean because you've got to do all the detective work, and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing about a noir. I mean, as we evidenced this weekend from a friend of ours, he did all the detective work from his phone in 15 minutes at his desk. You know what I mean? Right. It, I, that's and that's that whole noir. Oh, I got to go down and I got to see Johnny because Johnny spoke to Frankie last week, and Frankie was supposed to, that that right. whole thing. Right. I think that's what I'm getting at. Well, I, so I, I, I and and it being Ford Fairlane, oh. I wonder. I wonder if it is kind of a 50s or a 60s yeah. type thing. Okay, well, you know, Don is breaking on my my stupid dumb brain, and I I, I get get what you were saying because I thought you said you couldn't do it today, and I'm like, well, if you did it today and still set it in the 80s, fine. But okay. you were saying the you couldn't do it and set it in 2019, so so yes, I would watch this again. No, so, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, no, you see what I'm saying? It's just it's 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 kind of you know it would be like trying to have um. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a good. I don't have a good analogy for it. I just mean that with with the way the world is today, it would be hard to set well, one in modern day. It's it's w- a lot of what people are saying is that you can't. You know, they're they're going to remake Home Alone, right? And right. a lot of people are saying, how can you remake Home Alone today? Cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone. Yeah. And my thought, and I think I even put this on Twitter, is the whole thing resolves in thirty minutes because everybody's got a cell phone. Um, and the only person who doesn't come out better for it is the old the the old man, unfortunately. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. Agreed. It Plus, everybody uses their cell phones as alarms, so mm-hmm. you the power wouldn't go out, causing you to wake up late. I I don't know. We'll see. I would just like to see somebody come up with some new stories. Uh, I mean, they've been doing it for eighty years. Why can't they come up with them now? But mm. okay. So the last thing uh, about this movie that we typically talk about that we have not talked about yet is the dollar amount that this movie was able to accomplish. This movie was released um, on July 13th of 1990. And it was, believe it or not, the 58th highest grossing movie in 1990. It made $21,413,502. The budget for this movie was $20 million. It made $0.00 overseas, which makes perfect sense. Because let's let's say Japan, they probably have no idea who Dice Clay is. The funny thing about 1990 is that pictures were very, very close in money. The 30th ranked movie only made $44 million, and that was Young Guns 2. So it, there's, there's a lot of movies on the list from that year that are not good, that are high. Uh, up on the list. So, number one that year was Home Alone, two hundred eighty-five million in uh, domestic. But it it was not. I'm not going to call it a flop, because to me, a flop is a movie that loses money. That's a flop. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's not. It wasn't a hit. Well, they were trying to bank it on it being a hit oh, with the July release. I mean, July thirteenth. It's a lot different now than it was then. They mm-hmm. probably would have known now not to release that on July 13th. But, I- you know, $20 million to make a movie, especially something like this, a comedy. $20 million to make a comedy. That's a lot of money for a comedy it's now. all that rock star Well, that's you, power wh- Priscilla and Presley Priscilla and, Cup, and Ford Fairlane and Wayne Newton and uh, Sheila Vince e. Neal. She- yeah, all, all those people. So, you know, I, I mean, 58th. Eh, that's not bad. It was just over Quickly Down Under. <laughs> Have you ever seen Quickly Down Under? No, I haven't. Oh. 
Interesting. I'm going to write that one oh, down. Oh, shit. So I got to remember to say that I have seen movies that I don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's if not. The, if this episode has taught me anything. Not a monster, not a monster hit. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, how many movies are released in a year? Your 58th? Yeah. I'll take it. So I have one more question for you. Okay. What do I get to watch? You get to watch. I, I thought about this long and hard. And That's what she said. <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Ye- whoa! Ye- whoa! Well, that whoa. was more Joey Lawrence than it was Dice Clay, wasn't it? Yeah, same era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know that we tend to do a little bit better with downloads when we do movies that people have seen. When we do the older, more classic movies, it it it, it gets a little obscure, but. I feel like I got to stick to that because these are the movies that I like. And, and I hope a, as, you know, our, as we, we get more listeners that they, they do open themselves up to, to different types of, of movies and, and cinema. Just like I opened myself up to Ford Fairlane here. Um, and even though I said I probably wouldn't watch it again without some kind of stipulations, um, I I did learn to appreciate Andrew Dice Clay a little bit more as far as an artist and a, and a, a, you know a working comedian. I, a comedian is a difficult job, so yeah, it I is. Agree with it. So that said, we are going to uh, dip into a movie from the '30s. Oh, yeah, right. Great. Right. Well, it is the holidays, and we, you and I, do watch quite a bit of Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. We have our our rotation, um, and I'm kind of just fitting this into our rotation, but it is uh, going to be A Bachelor Mother with Ginger Rogers and David Niven. Okay. Um, Warner Brothers film. A comedy. All right. As it should be. Um, so that is what I have chosen for you. I feel that you will find lots of things to enjoy and discuss about this movie. Oh, all right. I know, I know. It's black and white. Don't be scared. Uh, Don't be scared. It can't be funny. It's in black and white. It can't be funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's in black and white. This is one thing I don't understand. I don't understand why people get, like, oh, I can't watch a movie that's black and white. I don't don't understand. People like what they like. Mm. I I mean... I I don't have a I don't have a reason for it. It it it, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we uh, I had a discussion this week uh, about some people and about how it is or isn't a Christmas movie. You know what it, what is and isn't. And it, my answer back was, what I see that I think is a Christmas movie is what I think is a Christmas movie. You you may not feel that way about it, but that's how I see it. If you don't like black and white movies, if you've never watched black and white movies, if you didn't watch black and white when you were a kid growing up. You probably are not fond of black and white. The other thing about black and white movies, too, is I'm going to give a lot of it over to the whole ADD thing that our Mm -hmm. world has now. Uh, There's a lot of black and white movies that are extremely good movies, for sure. I mean, okay, because it was back in a time when it was dialogue driven and story driven, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't things blowing up driven and things that look good driven. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of action air quotes, action in a black right. and white movie. 
because yeah. you just the practical effects were all you could work with at the time. So it's not there's not many black and white movies that you watch that keep you on the edge of the seat because they're a Fast and Furious style movie. And there's a lot of people that like that. That's what the, that's what they want. Right. Well, I think when people hear black and white, they conflate it with boring. I can I I, I equate it to cookies. I love black and white cookies. I know you why, do. Why? Why would you bring that up now? Because I love you so much and I'm starving. <sighs> Nothing like a good black and white cookie. That's right. So, okay, okay. next Sorry. week, <laughs> next week, uh, it will be Bachelor Mother. It will be Bachelor Mother. Thank you very much for Thank listening. Thank you. And Reach I out to us on our Twitter and our, our webpage. Yeah. Well, we don't have a webpage yet. How come? Um, just simply because it's the holidays and it's day job reason. obligations and everything else. Is that's a reason. That's a good reason. Made and us and to the fact the fact that we don't have a. I mean, we have our we have our Podbean page. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Honey Watch This. We have a Facebook page as well that you can reach out on. Uh, if you have any suggestions that you would like to suggest, if you have anything that you'd like to say. Uh, let us know. Yeah, and and yes, I would watch Fair Ford Fairlane again. <laughs> uh, as always, you can find us anywhere that you find uh, listen to your podcasts. So that would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we are also on Podbean. Um, so. Give us a listen. Share uh, share us with your friends if you like what you hear. Uh, always let us know and give us some feedback. And as always, if you are a podcast and you like films, please reach out to us because we would uh, let you pick a movie for the both of us to watch. And then you can join us on our podcast and we can discuss it. That would be a good time. That Maybe. What do you fun. think the chances are of them picking Ford Fairlane? Uh we will see you next week.